It is Pete McMurray in the Skyline Studios. Our next guest, Father Michael Flager, is pastor at St. Sabina Church. He's been an activist for years and years and years, and Father Flager joins us now. How are you, Padre? Fine, Pete. How you doing, sir? Thanks for taking time out of uh, your Sunday. How was uh, Mass today? Are you doing? Are people coming to church now? Well, not yet. I mean, it's only up to like thirty to forty people, and uh, that we're allowed. And rather than go through who comes and who doesn't, we're just going to continue on virtual till we can open up and do uh, the social distancing and and open up and have all three services between them. We could, I think, our church is large enough that we could accommodate our folks um, coming in for the three services and just have people sign up which service they're coming to. What do you think? In the next month or so, we'll be back at church. I hope so. I'm hoping by the beginning of July. Um, I know there's a lot of conversations. I've been on, I don't know how many Zoom, I'm Zoomed out, uh, <laughs> but I think we're moving in that in that direction, and I would I would hope that by the end of June we should be able to uh, start bringing people in as long as we have all the good things in, things in place, the sanitizers, the mm-hmm. social distancing, and the one way in, one way out. I think I think we can do it well. Where were you yesterday during the peaceful protests? Yesterday, I was actually ta- uh, taking my nephew uh, out to, to get some space from being cramped in the house and e-learning and all the rest and spent some time with him yesterday. And then I had, uh, again, two Zoom calls here at the house. We we were out earlier in the week, as you know, with about 300 um, black men on Thursday and um, had a really, really powerful protest of saying, hey, you know, let's let's get back to the narrative and all this emphasis on, on looting and window breaking and all yeah. the rest and forget where all this came from and let's get back to how do we change it rather than just, um, you know, go into this, this negativity that I think is out there now. And I think this weekend has proven people want to look forward, not backward. Uh, how about yesterday, the thousands of people with the peaceful protests downtown? I mean, people from all over. And Father, I, I've said this a few times this weekend, it feels different this time because because it's blacks, it's whites, it's all different races getting together and saying, hold on, we need to speak here. We want our voices heard. I think you're right on target, Pete. I think that's what is different this time. Um, we see of every class of folk, we see of every race of folk, different denominations. Um, and we have, you know, black, white, brown, Asian, Muslim, Christian, Jew, um, coming out to saying, America, um, it's time to make a change. And, you know, I think the, the sad part is, is that all through history, you know, there's been this this push to make changes, to come out and learn from Trayvon Martin, learn, you know, from um, uh, Michael Brown, learn from Tamir Rice, learn from all these different experiences. But I think there's always America has slidden back into its old ways. But I think this time um, that she is taking notice, and I think there's a window of opportunity here. Um, I mean, let's go back to history. You know, Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, they all came about because of pressure. And um, I think the pressure's out there now. And um, um, I was good to, glad to see that the NFL came out and said we got it wrong. I would I would have liked to seen them say, Colin, we apologize for demonizing you. But um, right. but I but I do think that America is now saying, hold up. Um, we, we got to make some changes here, and it is so multicultural and multi-diverse. I think this is this is the way to go in the future. Father Flager, when we talk about change, uh, if you could wave a magic wand, where would you start? What's the first thing? Well, 
I think, first of all, is, you know, we, we've got to, I wish I could say just one thing, Pete, but i got to say several. I think one is we've got to really look at policing in this country. Um, and unfortunately, um, there has always been the belief, and I think unfortunately lived out in reality, that um, police could do anything um, and get away with anything. And part of that has been that there has not been accountability to get rid of those those handful of, of African-American, white, Asian, brown cops that are bad. There are some bad cops out here. And I, I can't tell you how many cops in my church and a community who say, you know what, I'm tired of being demonized yeah. because of what some people are doing. So I think we've got to do, we've got to hold accountability. We've got to hold a standard. Um, there's got to be punishment for the person that does wrong, um, and we've got to build relationships again between um, community and law enforcement. And I think the unions, uh, the police unions, got to back off right now. Just being, no matter what happens, we support them, we defend them. They got to back off and say, let's try to build the best law enforcement agency we can. So I think that's on one end. Mm-hmm. I think on the other end is there's there's two main fields we've got to change. Um, we've got to find a more equal city. And I think what that means is we're looking at the south and the west sides and figure out what do we do to even the playing field. Um, if, you know, if unemployment um, on the north side of downtown is 6% or 6.5 or 7%, and in my community it's 28% or 29%, um, we can't keep having those, those, those differences. There's got to be an equal playing field, and we've got to do investment and opportunity so that the employment levels um, change, economic development, those coming back from incarceration get opportunity, that our schools are great. We know how to do good schools. Walter Payton, Whitney Young, we know how to do great schools, right. Joan Commercial. So how do we do it across the board? Um, and I think then housing and access to health care and access to mental health. So what are we, how are we going to invest in communities so they feel valued and, and, and are given the fair chance that every other community is given? And that's on one end. I also think we have to create a more equal downtown. Um, I just looked at, you know, Crane a couple of weeks ago come out with, you know, the top uh, wealthiest companies and private companies oh, yeah. in the city of Chicago. And, you know, we have to really challenge downtown, I think, from all the corporate, the foundational, universities, medical complexes, um, to say, how do we diversify from the boardroom to the mailroom? Um, how do we use uh, uh, diverse legal services, uh, investing in where we bank at, our services, our equipment, our supplies, our marketing, our advertising? You know, John Rogers always talks about the three main areas, technology, professional services, and financial services. We could, we don't live in a day when it can just be all white anymore. We have to diversify and build and show this unit. The unity on the street that we're seeing right now, Pete, has to happen in corporate America, um, has to happen in the churches, it has to happen in the um, universities, the hospitals, the, the, the businesses and foundations. Um, and I think if we, if we really strongly say we're going to move to the point to diversify the downtown and, and build up the communities, mm-hmm. I think that we're at a golden moment of opportunity to create a new Chicago. Do you meet with business leaders, and do you say this exact same thing to them? I absolutely do, uh, all the time. And uh, (laughs) and the sad part is, Pete, I usually get 
That's right, and nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> and see, and that's the same thing that's happened in America. You know, we, we've we've had all these. You know, when when Colin Kaepernick tried to take a knee um, about police brutality, we all got caught up in this. Whether it was disrespecting the flag, whether it's disrespecting the national anthem, let's forget that and talk about the purpose why he was doing it. Had we dealt with police brutality, had the honest conversations then, I don't think we would be where we are right now. But you know what? Maybe we had to get to where we are right now to have the honest conversations. But I think they're happening. I think it's an opportunity now. I just pray, you know, we don't miss it. We don't miss it because they're so. we've seen so much. We have this great unifying of our young people and many of our, of our older people, too. Right. Um, let's, let's build on this. Let's come together and say we have an opportunity right now, whether you like or dislike, we got a new governor, a new mayor. We have all these new elections just taking place in the, in the city and in the state. What if we all came together and said, you know what, let's try it. Let's try to create a more just and equal Chicago and see what it can be. And I think we'll have the strongest Chicago ever. Right. We're talking with uh, Father Michael Flager from St. Sabina Church. Have you always been an activist? Your whole uh, life? Yes. Uh, you know what? It, How did it's it really start? Crazy, Wait, was Pete. it your parents? Um, was it your parents? No, my parents were not. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll try to do this real quick. You know, I spent two summers when I was in freshman in high school uh, at Quigley South down at a Native American reservation. And I, I heard and learned for the first time the injustices that were done against Native Americans from the beginning of America because I never got taught that in school. Um, junior year high school, after it, I see Martin Luther King, out of curiosity, two of my friends and myself rode our bikes over to Marquette Park. I see him come through the park. I see all this hate. I see all this this racism. And people that went to my church, lived in my neighborhood, and and that struck me. It changed my life forever. Then I lived on the west side when I was in uh, college and, high, and, and graduate school. And... Um, I realized it traced it all back that when I was growing up, my sister had a, a, a mental challenge. I watched when I was growing up now. I was born in 49, so I'm ancient. But I watched my sister called retarded and laughed at and games played on her, and I had this anger in me about the sure. way she was treated. Absolutely. And I think that carried over to the Native American, carried over to the African American, carried over to poor white people when I was involved in the, in the civil rights movement and the anti-Vietnam War movement. And I think it all played a part, going all the way back to my sister, saying that everybody should be treated with dignity. Um, everybody deserves investment and opportunity and access to reach their purpose. You know, there's been a lot of comparisons to 1968, um, in Chicago the last week out with the riots and the looting. Yep. If I'm doing my math right, you were 19 years old the summer of 1968. Is that right? You are absolutely right. So, so paint a picture for me. Tell me about that summer. What were you doing? Were you protesting? Were you uh, demonstrating? What were you doing? I was. Actually, you know, uh, when I was in college at Lyle University, I was over the anti-Vietnam War movement for the college. And, um, you know, it was, it was a lot of protesting against the war. And then with, when Dr. King uh, was assassinated in 1968, um, I was living on the west side of the church there called Precious Blood. And I'll never forget looking out the window of the top floor of the school and seeing all the fires and the burning. And 
and continuing to, to see the pain and the hurt that explodes. You know, and, and the cup of endurance, as Dr. King said, runs over. And um, and thinking, why what why does it take to get to this point before we decide to make change? Um, you looked in the civil rights movement, and I realized there, you know, there were many lanes in the movement. Dr. King had the nonviolent lane. Um, it was uh, Malcolm had another lane. Elijah Muhammad another. Stokely Carmichael another. Um, the Black Panthers. There were all these lanes, but there was a common purpose. And Dr. King said time and time again, if you if you don't hear us in the nonviolent, there are other lanes that will make you hear. And I think what we forgot is that we somehow think that we could just move on like a bulldozer and ignore the people hurting around us. And I think what we saw then is that um, uh, in the 60s that those lanes came together, and that's how we got you know civil rights, that's how we got voting rights, that's how we ended segregation. Um, but I think today... In the world that we live in, there's not the same value um, of saying, well, the nonviolence going to work. And I think people able to say that is because, wow, for years it hasn't worked. And so that's why I think we're at a point right now, there's, there's, a, there's the opportunity of violence, there's the opportunity of nonviolence, the opportunity of just doing the right thing. Right. And I hope we get it. I just pray to God that we get it. Um, and don't have to return because, frankly, Pete, and I don't mean this in a, in a. This sounds horrible, I suppose, but I think what we've seen, not just around America, but look at the whole world, yeah. has responded to this. What happened to George Floyd? Right. And it wasn't just the murder of him on that street, but it was the determination and the. It was almost like that officer said, "Yeah, I know you're videoing. I know you're all standing here watching. But this is what I'm doing." It was a like an arrogance of of like determination. Yeah, and it was frightening. Yeah, and I've heard so many people say, "We've got to be just as determined mm-hmm. to fight that knee on poor people and black people." so that it never comes down again. And uh, so I think people are at a, you know, the line's drawn in the sand, and there's a tipping point. And I think that as churches, as as business, as corporate, as a government, uh, media, I think we all have a tremendous responsibility right now to say we want different. Um, that's why I hate when people after this pandemic, they say, well, wow, I just want to get back to normal. No, normal wasn't good. Yeah. Let's create a new normal, a new vision, a new city. After the burning of Chicago um, and the Great Fire, we created a new city. Right, right. And, and we've got to do that now. Hell, we we <laughs> we turned the current of the Chicago River around. So <laughs> if we can do that, we can certainly turn the future of Chicago around. Well, Father Flager, where do we go this week? What's the next step? So we started with the protest, then the looting, the rioting, then we, mm-hmm. we talked about it as a community. We mm-hmm. got back together this weekend, peaceful protests. Where do we go this week? Well, I think now what we've got to do is there's got to be from from all those different entities that I mentioned a sit down, a listening to the voices in the community, black, white, brown, poor, that are struggling and are suffering to say we want this is what we're going through. It's got to be a listening to hear that. Mm-hmm. We can't pretend like the people that sit in the ivory t- towers know what's best for people on 68th Street or 79th Street. They don't. Right. But let's sit down, let's have the conversations, let's listen to each other, 
and then let's let's think out of the box. What can we what can we do right now? What are some what are the ten things we need to do right now in Chicago, in the corporate world, in the business world, in the West and South Side communities, in the North and South? What can we do? to try to transform Chicago's future. Let's build, let's create, let's put concrete, not just nice phrases and and nice hashtags. Let's have some concrete things we can do in government, in development, in investment, Mm -hmm. in diversity, in that that corporate and and university and medical structure. Um, I had a great conversation with the CEOs of um, Rush Hospital the other day and said, you know, what are you going to do to make sure that every part of your um, Rush Medical Center is going to be diverse, and they say, "Yeah, we got to do that. We got to make that happen." And I think we got to do we we it's we got to be creative, and we got to put in the work. And, and Peter's not going to happen overnight. We all know that. But I think people are waiting. You know, we saw calm this weekend. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, every place I went, every person I talked to, I heard the same thing: if they don't make some moves, then we'll make a move again. And I think that's what they got to keep remembering. Okay, people, come back, step back. Mm. What are you going to do? And they've got to hear that now, and they've got to hear the the concrete the changes that are going to be made. And I think that comes with beginning the conversations, north side, south side, west side. Sit down, listen, and now what are things we can do? And and what I think what we can hear, Pete, and I'm afraid of this, is that um, coming out of this pandemic that – the federal government, the state government, the county government, the city government want to say, well, listen, we'd love to do all this stuff, but we're broke. And that answer is not going to be accepted. <laughs> it's just not. Yeah. It's, you know, we've got to, wherever, whatever basement they went into to, to print up that $2 trillion, <laughs> go back down there. They can always find money somewhere. You know, there's, there's people listening right now, Father Flagger, that are, they're concerned, and they want to do something. I mean, people in the suburbs were just walking down the street holding right. signs yesterday because they felt like they needed to do something. What can those people do? What can they do as ind- individuals? Well, one thing I think, and, I, and you know what? I just want to step up one thing that you said and agree with, because I think there are all sorts of really good-hearted people across from the far north to the far south that really want to do something. And they say, well, what can I do? What, what should we do? And I think one of the things is, is that people all over are going to have to pressure, pressure government elected officials from the state, the county, and the city to say, you, we need leadership now. We need real leadership Corporate, we need real leadership. In our churches, synagogues, and mosques, we need real leadership. We just don't need a bunch of crap being said and a bunch of nice phrases being said. We need people to be able to roll up their sleeves mm-hmm. and do the, the difficult thing, ask the hard questions. And it's going to be uneasy. It's going to be difficult. It's going to make us feel uneasy. But, my God, if we go through that... And come out, when, when South Africa went through the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, it was hard. People were angry and people were in tears. But they came out with a better description of the South Africa they wanted. And I think we can do that here. I think Chicago is a, I love this city. I, I would love no place else in the world but here. 
I think we have such potential. We're in the middle of the country. We're the heart of the country. And I think mm-hmm. we could be a model for the country if we really just do the hard thing. And I think people who say they care and what should we do, push the leadership in whatever church, synagogue, or mosque, your county, your yep. state, your city, your federal, to say, damn it, I need you all to be leaders. Get forget the, the partisan, forget the who's Democrat, who's independent, who's Republican, who's liberal, who's conservative. Come on, let's come together now. Face and admit where we're wrong, where we got it wrong. Yeah. Um, face the differences and, and the, the lack of diversity. Face the injustices that exist in our city, in our state, in a school system, in the court system, in the police system, and say, let's admit it, face it. And now decide what are the things we're going to do right now, and then over the next six months, one year, two years, three years. Because I think if people see that, if they see we're making a turn. They need a roadmap. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. If they see, though, that, you know what, uh, you know, I, I, I argue with people all the time. I say, how come you were good friends with Rich Daly? <laughs> And Rich and I argued like hell. I'm sure. We we had fight after fight. But here's what I knew. I knew he loved this city and wanted the best for the city. And people gave him a lot of leeway on things he did that they hated because they knew where his heart was. I think if people see where the heart is, and the heart is to change and be a, a fairer, more just, an equitable society in Chicago, I think people say, okay, we, we, if we see you're going there, mm-hmm. but we're what? there better be some benchmarks, there better be some proof, there better be some evidence. If people see that happening, I think they'll join on board, because I think there's much more people that want a new Chicago than those that want business as usual. Start the dialogue. You're right. we got to start the dialogue. And by the way, do you get any sleep? I feel like you just, you're <laughs> a protesting or you're doing something 24-7. <laughs> Uh, about five hours a night, you know. My body every now says, hey, do you remember how old you are? And I said, you know, I'm trying to ignore that. Well, I appreciate your time today. And uh, and I appreciate you having the conversation. And, and you and I, let's continue this dialogue for uh, the WGN listeners and our family here, okay? I would love to. We're all in this together. All right. Have a great week. Thank you, Father. You too, sir. Be blessed. That is uh, Father Michael Flager from St. Sabina. All right.